From Phoenix Fifth and New Dog Media, it's the Subtle Smarter Podcast. If you're the kind of person who wears one mask at work, one on the drive, one for your partner, your kids, your kids' teachers, your boss, the post lady, and you look in the mirror and don't know who you see, this show is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter Season 2, the authentic season, a safe place to take off your masks. And now, your hostess with the mostest, Dana Luke-Arimoto. Hey, smart settlers. It's great to be back with season two, the authentic season. Before we get going, I just want to thank you all for your support. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, for example, and please share our content with your friends. It really keeps us going. Now let's talk to our first guest. This season, we have Lauren B. Jones with a Leap Consulting and also GOAT Leadership. And now, without further ado, Lauren B. Jones. Thank you so much for having me, Soul Sister. I am so pleased to be here. It does take risk-taking to get where you are, and you have taken a lot of risks along the way to get to the level of accomplishment holistically for yourself, your family, the work you do, helping others, helping women. So tell us about your journey. Let's start there, Lauren. Well, I I mean, I was in corporate America for the better part of, you know, 20 some odd years, 20 plus years. And, um, you know, I was sort of an early victim of of COVID-19 and I just decided enough. Enough is enough is enough. I want to, I want to be the master of my own destiny. And uh, I think what was more terrifying at that point, at that pivotal point, was the idea of putting my livelihood in somebody else's hands again. And uh, I felt like, you know, look, I work so hard for other people, right? Why can't I apply that same thing to myself, right? For myself, uh, doing something that, you know, I, the parts of the job that I'm super passionate about. And, and that was really, that was the point. That was the stop. That was the break. That was that I'd had this kind of spark in my belly, you know, about not wanting to be in this sort of stuffy corporate environment and be sort of unmuzzled. You know, I'd had that burn in my belly, um, for, for, uh, for some time. Um, and you know, when that, when that happened, I was like, this is it, this is my shot. And when you figured out why you weren't taking the risk up until that moment, did it hit you like a ton of bricks? It's really obvious. Or was it a string of insights along the way? So listeners can start to learn for themselves ways to settle smarter on making trade-offs, including trading off things like working for themselves versus working for someone else. 
Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I, Brene Brown says you can have, you can have courage or you can have comfort, but you can't have them both at the same time. And that, that to me is this thing that goes on in my head, like a reel. and, you know, goat leadership started about five years ago. Uh, and I had kind of this aha, this snap moment, you know, I'd been in this perfect little cul-de-sac living this perfect little ticky tack life, you know, in, out, in, out, like if it was, you know, it was like the starting you know, little reel from weeds where, you know, the little house and everybody goes in and everybody comes out. And, um, and, and I had, the, I don't know if, you know, I woke up from the matrix or I just turned 40 and, you know, I, my, my wisdom bone came in. I don't know what happened. I can't tell you, but I breathed my first breath and, uh, was like, I am awake now. Why am I sitting in this dumb little cul-de-sac? I need room. I need elbow room. I, I don't want to consume so much. I have more clothing than I'll ever wear in 10 years. I have more shoes than, you know, and so we started this process of looking for the farm of, you know, minimizing of un, un, sort of unleash my, and it was in partnership with my husband and my kids thought we were crazy. And, you know, we got the farm, we, we minimized, we went from 4,000 square feet to 2,200 square feet. So, so is it a process? I, I think that it is this little awakening and then a little more awakening and then a little more awakening. And I, and I, you know, put no pressure on yourself for this to happen overnight. I don't, you know, I don't think that it needs to be that. And I, for me, it was just like this peeling of the onion of this awakening of getting more and more self-aware understanding people in a better, more meaningful way, um, understanding a little bit more of the legacy I wanted to leave. And I think that's where a lot of, um, a lot of confusion comes is you're like, why am I here? And what are we doing? You know, kind of bigger questions as you get older, right. And you start seeing your own mortality before you. Um, and maybe that's what happens. So, you know, I, I don't really know, but I feel like we women in our forties are just fears, you know, because we do, we have this awakening. Um, we start leveraging one another and it's just this really cool, I think, cool thing that happens with fab, the fab forties. Well, in the, you know, post fab forties, there's fifties. And what I will tell you about the fifties is that we just don't give a shit what anybody thinks anymore. We just don't. Now I'll tell you who you have to really care about yourself. What do you think, right? So I want to go back to the string of lessons along the way. Love how you laid that out. If someone feels like the risk is too big to take all at one time, what would you tell them? How do they start, Lauren? That's such a great question. And, and I actually had somebody that, that Leslie Vickery, our, a mutual friend of ours, um, she had referred her to me and said, hey, you know, Lauren's just taking, you know, just gone out on her own, you know, pick her brain a little bit. And what we talked about um, was this this perception that people have that if you're going to take the risk, it has to be an all, all in one bite. And I don't subscribe to that. You know, if you have an idea, uh, some burning desire, some side hustle, it's okay to take the safe road and not drop everything you have and, you know, sell your house and tell your kids to pay for their own college, you know, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be that you can, you can take little bites out of that bigger thing. And that is acceptable. If you're doing meaningful work towards moving, you know, towards your dream, you know, small steps towards your dream, that's okay. Nobody defines your path. And I think that's what I had to let go of was other people's perception 
question of how I should be doing it, when I should be doing it, what investment money I should, you know, I should be doing this and I should be getting investors should be doing that. It, it doesn't have to be that complicated. It is, it can literally, literally be waking up in the morning and writing two pages of your book that you want to write. It, it, we don't have to make it more complex, but I will say it does have to be action over everything. You do have to take some action. So let's talk about action for a minute. Would you share with the listeners who are already smart, but really working on getting smarter, what actions do you remember taking in the beginning that maybe there were naysayers? You shared what you were going to do and people were like, oh, Lauren, I, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I was everybody because I opened my business on March 2nd, three weeks before a global pandemic, right? And I think everybody was like, you know, maybe now's not the time. Um, you know, maybe you just take this time to really focus on you, you know, whatever other, you know, things people say to you when you get laid off and they feel bad for you, right? Have the placating type of speech that they give you. Um, and I was like, no. I'm going to do this and I'm going to focus on one thing, helping people. I know in my bones that karma is real, right? What goes around comes around. What you put out there, you will get in return. And so I, I, I knew, look, I didn't have any customers at the point, right? So what can I do? I, and the first sort of post that went viral was one where I said, look, I've been in the industry for 20 years. If you've lost your job due to COVID, reach out to me and I'd be happy to give you some you know, resume advice, some job advice. And then all of a sudden, uh, these eyes were on my profile. And so I started with these like little helpful videos. And if you saw my first video, I mean, it was kind of an atrocity, right? I was talking way too close to the camera and, and there was no light and, you know, it, they were awkward. And, um, but all I was, was genuinely, genuinely trying to help people. And so my first like uh, 90 days of videos were really just nurturing an end user, uh, helping them understand, you know, these are some of the impediments in front of you. This is what you can do to take action. And that turned into, again, eyes on, on my brand, eyes on me. And then it was really helping businesses. So, okay. So you're struggling with COVID and, and you know, how do we take action? What do you have control of today? Well, you have control of the technology that's going to support your business, which is my area of expertise. And so, um, these, these sort of videos in, uh, which started helping, you know, job seekers and now helping, um, businesses, they've just morphed into, you know, what is now today, technology Tuesday and women crush Wednesday and, um, uh, you know, follow Friday. Uh, and, uh, they took on kind of a life of their own. And so my advice to people is, you know, pick the one thing, pick the one thing that you can control. And the one thing that you, you know, that you have to offer, if you're solving a problem for someone, Somebody, or you have something that helps a business or helps an individual, you, you have the spark, you know, you have the start of the fire and, and then you just keep fanning it with, you know, the, the, the content, if you will. Um, and that's what I did just desperately trying to keep my campfire going. <laughs> I've been rewatching Survivor episodes. I don't know that I recommend it because it's so binge worthy. You cannot turn it off, but right. it is really about fanning the fire. And sometimes the naysayers are actually blowing out that fire for you. Mm hmm. Maybe unintentionally, right? They're afraid. They want you to succeed. Maybe there's been an event. You get laid off. I mean, last year, of course, was 7,000 examples of 
all in the same storm but different boat scenarios in terms of pandemic, global crises, politics, social unrest, racism. Like I, you know, it's always existed, but I mean, a lens on racism where it's wake up time and doing something. The one thing we talked about a lot last year on the first year of the podcast, what's the one thing you can do to fight racism, to educate yourself? What's the one thing you can do to work from home without being in your PJs all day and working 24 seven? What's the one thing you can do to believe in yourself? Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to the fire in your belly Mm -hmm. and I want us to talk to our listeners for a minute. And what we're going to do in this year's show is feature some of the listeners' Settle Smarter stories and some of the people in my programs that are doing work-life integration where they don't trade off joy for productivity and value. They integrate joy along with productivity and value. And for me, what I'm hearing from you is it starts with that fire in your belly, and that's a leading indicator of what it is you're good at, what you want. What was the fire like in your belly? Can you describe it to us? So there are parts of your job every day that don't bring you joy, right? You know, and everybody says to you, look, you can't love everything about your job, right? How many times have we heard that? And I thought to myself, that is so untrue. I can love all the parts of my job. So I started taking sort of mental inventory of the things that just did not bring me any sort of joy. Maybe it was the Marie Kondo, uh, you know, the, the cleaning out in my brain of the things that just didn't spark joy in my career. And then I started really putting my energy towards the things that that I could feel made me feel good. Like at the end of the day, you know, I tell everybody, um, and, and, um, I've given the, given a speech on kind of finding your spark. We all have that one moment where we stood up and we did the presentation perfectly, or we got on our Peloton and we had a PR because we were just feeling like an amazing superhero that day, or we did something for our kids that was amazing. We helped them with their project and they got an A on it. We all have all had that thing that makes you feel so much pride that it makes you sweat a little bit. Right. And that's, that's that kind of initial spark, um, that, that I talk about. And so I just was on this like mission to do, to just remove the things that didn't bring me joy in my job and, and, and really move in the things that did and started building a business around it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to give the listeners a few seconds to actually write down what brings them joy, what energizes them, and then on the other end of that spectrum, what takes joy away, what sucks the joy out of your life, what de-energizes you, and that way they can see for themselves the one, two, three things on each side of that equation, and Paul's going to play some beautiful music.
love it. I wish I had somebody coaching me through this because it was really just this, this meant this battle I was having on my own in my head, you know, of, and, and I really did take a very deliberate approach to going, okay, what do I love doing? And I'm going to do more of that. And I'm going to, you know, at the time I, I could, I could, you know, allow others to do some, some of the work. Now I'm by myself. Right. And, um, I think that's where the struggle gets real and, and where, uh, I have had some really great learning lessons in my first year of, of, of honing in on all the things that bring you joy. And, and, uh, I, I, what I've done, um, in my business is sign partnerships, you know, with, with organizations that love to do the stuff that I don't, you know? And so you can take, it's, it's not just about delegating, right? Because, you know, when you have a business, you can take delegation to a new level. You can sign a partnership deal with somebody that compliments you really well. You can, um, and, and, and I think that's what we undervalue when we're thinking small, and, and I certainly, you know, nowhere in my, I, I did not think that I'd be opening my own business at almost 50 and, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, the tail end of my, you know, forties and opening an own business and, and being on video all the time. And, and I certainly, certainly didn't think it was going to be possible. And that was because I very much put limits on what I thought was possible for myself. Yeah, that's such a good point. We put limits on ourselves. And then sometimes we somehow assumptively believe those are societal limits or familial limits or friendship limits. And it's actually, it's us, isn't it? Totally. us. And, you know, if you look at, you know, regardless of what industry you're in, society sort of puts those there, right? You have, you have a recruiter, you have a lead recruiter, and then you have branch manager, and then you have senior branch manager, right? And then there's this right here, right here you know, the, the top of the position, right. And then there's the CEO and maybe someday you'll be CEO, but you don't know. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, we've sort of put all of these like visual limitations, operational limitations, and it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's incredible how much energy we waste worrying about things that aren't real. However, they feel very real in yeah. the, heat of the battle that we're in with ourselves. They really feel real. Yeah. I mean, I I remember going, Oh, I want to be a VP so bad. Like, I I mean, why? And I can't, I, I, I go back to that thought pattern and I go back to that desire and I remember wanting it so bad. And then when you get it, um, nothing really fundamentally changes. <laughs> and you're like, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just got a lot more work for the same pay. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, we think we, we, we romanticize these things in our brain that if I could just reach it here, everything else would be fixed. And that's not the key. The key is you got to fix you. I think you and I both know that. And along the way, this, this peeling of the onion, as we, we say, has been really figuring me out too. Right. And, and it is an evolution. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. Nobody should expect that it will. And I, I think that, I think that there are a lot of self helpers out there that sort of evangelize this message that you're going to have the aha and that puts so much pressure on the listener to have the aha. And 
it's never, you know, I've had these small little epiphanies, um, but nothing that snap, you know, that was like lightning. It's been just this slow awakening. So let's pause there and talk about what happens in the slow awakening as you also reflect on lonely moments as you climb to get to the top and realize maybe you don't want it. My listeners know for me that was CEO, I have to be a CEO. I was told I was supposed to be Silicon Valley, became CEO and realized that is so not for me. And also the loneliness at the top, the higher you go, the loneliness sometimes that also comes along with serious risk-taking and betting on yourself. Let's talk about loneliness for a minute. Yeah. Man, I I will tell you because there were so many people that cared about me, you know, in a real meaningful way and were very, you know, are you sure you want to take this risk? I mean, it's just it's so much and you've got to, I've got one in grad school and one in college and, and um, you know, uh, of course, you know, my, my parents were like, do you have enough money? You know, <laughs> do, you ha- uh, do you have everything you need? You know, there's this and you're like, you're just making me nervous, man. <laughs> you know, um, and, but it all in this, like this really good, you know, from this really good coming from this really good place, but I just needed the noise to go away. I needed to be in my own head, to listen to the voice that was inside me. And once you have that fire and once you feel like, okay, I am doing some good, I I'm making a difference. Um, you get more confident and more confident and with more confidence comes the ability to trust your gut, to speak up, to, you know, I, every time I look back and I, I remember a time I didn't trust my gut, you know, stuff went, shit went sideways. Right. Um, and, and so it's just this, this slow process of, of gaining confidence and, and that takes time, but, um, don't be afraid to be lonely, I think is, is the thing that I would say, because you, at that point, you know, you need to have enough inner strength and enough confidence to know, you know what, I did this for somebody else. I can do this for myself. And that's what I kept telling myself is, oh my goodness, you built this entire division by yourself. You can do this on your own. You did this here. You can do this for yourself. The only person that you are responsible to is you. And guess what? You don't have to do a PowerPoint presentation. You don't have to do a business case. You don't have to put together, you know, (laughs) you don't have to do any of that business plan. I don't have to do any of that because guess what? I report to me and I am not the demanding that of myself. I am just going to execute. And so that loneliness, don't be afraid to be with yourself, A. B, um, it was really an awakening of surrounding myself with the right people professionally. Um, and that intermingling that I have now of, you know, your, 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 you know, career, family, friendships, community, well-being, right. They can all be in the same circle. And that was an awakening for me for sure was that, you know, you and I, Leslie and I, like I have all of these women that are dealing with the same types of challenges, taking the same type types of risks, and we are all cheering each other on. So you got to find yourself the right cheerleaders. And sometimes it's not going to come from your personal circle. Um, you know, your, your sort of really, really, you know, family and those types of things. Although, you know, I'm so blessed to have a husband that just cheers me on like a madman. Um, and you know, my, my girls who do the same thing, but I, you, you have to be okay with being lonely and being in your own head and, and, and knowing that 
you're going to do a good job because you always do. And I don't know why it's because we're by ourselves. By ourselves, we, we stop trusting that. So what a beautiful way to wrap. We're going to talk about trust and then we're going to talk about your quote, which was interesting since we both use quotes from the same muse. I'm going to call her the infamous Helen Keller who couldn't see, couldn't hear and couldn't speak yet was one of the most prolific writers and communicators of all time. So talk about bravery and I'm certain quite a bit of loneliness and then risk taking around what am I good at? What do I love? How do I share my message with the world? So let's talk about trust. If you don't trust yourself, who do you trust? Why don't you answer that for a minute? Oh my goodness. If you don't trust yourself, oh my, I don't know if you have, I I, I feel like you don't have a path forward and, and, um, you know, uh, and I'll, I will share, I have a, a very, very deep fear of driving over bridges. Um, and I ha- have another girlfriend in, in our world that shares that same fear. And the reason is, the reason my hands get shaky, my knees shake, my hands sweat, I get, you know, the beads of sweat dripping down my black and my teeth chatter when I have to drive over a bridge is because I had a moment where I, uh, I had a, a cardiovascular virus and I fainted while I was driving. And, um, but it comes down the root of the whole issue. Cause I have gone to shrink after I've even tried hypnotism, um, is that I don't trust myself. Right. So I, until I get enough times over that bridge backwards and forwards where, you know, I, I, I am now cardiovascular virus free, right? No myocarditis. I am on the right Medicaid. Like all of these things are in my favor and I need to start trusting myself again, that I'm going to make it over that bridge without passing out. <laughs> but I feel like I'll never get over that fear if I don't trust myself. And that, that is one extreme example, but it is the fundamental. If you don't trust yourself, you, you are not going to cross that bridge. You just aren't. And practice makes permanent, not perfect, right? Correct. Yes. And it is practice, practice, practice. Now today I can drive over a bridge, right? And I still feel the flutter in my belly, but I'm like, I got this. Look, fully medicated, ready to go. <laughs> my, my ticker is going, I'll look down at my fit, Fitbit and I'm like, ah, we're going at 90 right now. So, you know, I got 90, 90 beats and we're going. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really just that, you know, it's a repetition helps you get that muscle burning and going and strong. Frequency, duration, and intensity, the key to building muscle. And our brain is a big old muscle. Mm -hmm. I've had scientists on this program before who've talked all ways around how the brain works and doesn't work in the components. So this is a mind game. And for sure, just we're so grateful, Lauren B, that you shared that story and you were so authentic and open and giving with your own story and your time. And that particular instance, people all relate to something like that. And we're all afraid of something. And usually if it's that big, there's good reason. And you have a really good reason. You had a real serious situation and you're elegantly moving through it with grace and also facing that there's going to be that fluttering. And, you know, you're smart to check your pulse, by the way. So (laughs) grew up in a medical family. I do. Every time I look at my watch and I'm like, oh, we're 84 beats. We got this. We got this. I am not passing out now because I've got so much (laughs) adrenaline going (laughs) that I'm going to, I'm going to engine my, I'm going to just fire myself over the (laughs) 
<laughs> my heart rate's <laughs> going to launch myself over this bridge. Right. But you know, and, and if those are the silly things that you have to do to get over the bridge, whether it's a physical bridge or it's just this bridge you've put in your head that you've manifested as something so scary, um, it is okay to have the, you know, the flutter in your belly. Uh, and I, I just wish that we would stop striving for perfection and just be okay with taking action. Even when you're a little lonely and it's just one step at a time, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's still a step forward. And I think people don't give themselves enough credit for that. So in wrapping up, we're going to talk about your quote. And also we're going to include in the show notes, all the amazing resources that you provide and ways to find you. Why goat leadership? My sort of awakening happened when we, we bought this farm and, you know, I was very practical about buying farm animals because I had a back pasture that was three feet high and I needed something to fix it. And it just so happened that it would, you know, the practical approach was buy a couple goats, buy a couple sheep. And then, and never in a million years, if you'd have met me six years ago in my, <laughs> my beautiful heels and dresses, which you have imagined that I have a goat farm. Um, but, uh, I fell in love with these magical creatures. They are curious. They're wicked smart. They are so, 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 um, they are the most persistent animal I have ever met. And it, that sparked the goat leadership and, um, you know, simplifying my life and, you know, these beautiful little floppy eared, um, animals, uh, give me so much joy and give our farm, you know, and we now have over 20 of them and we have sheep and ducks and raccoons and all sorts of things. Cause we're now wildlife rehabbers. And so we've taken it to a whole new level, but it is another, it's another part of, um, what I think sparks so much joy and what I think we undervalue is giving, right? Giving back to, uh, to others, to animals, to our environment, to, you know, and stop taking. Um, I'm just reading a book called um, Give and Take uh, by Adam Grant. Um, and, you know, there are givers and there are takers and I want to be a giver. And so in every capacity and in every way, I want to do that. And that the, the goat, the goats were, they, they started really innocently just as a functional part of the farm and ended in this like beautiful obsession with these farm animals. We're obsessed with you. I'm just going to go and tell you, I wish we could all go to your farm and have a day with the goats. I'm going, I I don't (laughs) care about the rest of you listeners. I'm, I am going to the goat farm. I happen to love goats and have my own growing up stories around farms, Wisconsin y'all. So, okay. We're going to close with something from Helen Keller about optimism. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. And I will tell you this, I got a lot of guff, a lot of, a lot, a lot of ribbing in the beginnings of my videos because I am always happy and always optimistic. And I come in with a ton of energy and people gave me so much crap for it. They're like, Oh my God, are you always this happy? And I'm like, no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, I am a happy person and I'm not going to apologize it, but come on, man. I, I, I want to put something good out there. Don't you want to see something good? And um, so whatever video you see from me is going to have optimism in it. And you know what? 
it works. So, you know, all those naysayers can suck it because my, my videos have done really, really well. And it's because I am optimistic and I, I don't tell you what all the problems are. I give you solutions. It's the same way with my consulting firm. Uh, look, we all know every business has problems. Okay, fine. What are you going to do about it? And, and so, you know, I, I do believe that optimism leads to achievement and I am a shining example. I started my, my business with about 5,000 followers. I now almost have 25,000, um, in, in a little bit less than a year. So you know what? Optimism gets the job done. And with that, we will wrap. And I will just tell you all, if you need a pick-me-up, it is Lauren B. Jones. <laughs> if you want something that's a downer or more like I'm having a shit day, there are plenty of places to go. We're not putting those in the show notes. I'm more in Lauren B.'s <laughs> camp of let's lift each other up. We've had enough of the down to last yes. many lifetimes. So let's lift each other up. Let's go for the one small thing that we might start. Let's look at our joy factor and what energizes us. And I want to really remember Lauren talking about loneliness. Don't be afraid to be lonely sometimes. There's good stuff when you look at yourself. Thank you so much for having me. You're so wonderful. Right back at you, my soul sister. Settle Smarter was produced by New Dog Media in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. If you love the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, and give it five stars wherever you listen. We are available wherever you hear your podcasts. Check out the show notes for info on today's guest, as well as all things Dana Look Arimoto, her latest book, speaking engagements, and how to contact her, or give us comments about the show. The show is edited and recorded by Paul Godwin, who also composed our theme music. Today we heard additional music by Estonian guitarist Robert Yuryendal. From his album Simple Past, we heard Melting Memories, and you can find him at Bandcamp. For Dana Look Arimoto and the entire Subtle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin saying, see you next time.